when we say positively disrupt, we want to show that there are alternative ways of doing things when it comes to being creative and marketing to today's consumer fan, as well as the industry, right? B2B and B2C. And with both of us being experts in our space, respectively, we knew that our brains coming together could ultimately do that, especially coming into a space that is, is truly based on tradition. We want to respect that. So we use positively disrupt in the sense of we're both like severe crazy golf fans. We love what is there and what it's based on, but with where technology is going and society, it's kind of an adapt or die situation as we are currently seeing in the industry today. And we felt we can disrupt while loving and respecting the industry and sport we love so much. Welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the influencers, disruptors, entrepreneurs, and innovators who are shaping the future of golf. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the Mod Golf Podcast, thanks for much for joining us, and please subscribe to the show so you hear about all of our upcoming episodes and you can enter our latest golf product giveaway. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today my guest is Jess McAllister, co-founder of Digital Golf Collective. Jess is a seasoned marketer, entrepreneur, talent rep, and brand development strategist with two decades of cross-industry expertise under her belt. With Digital Golf Collective, Jess and partner Sean Guerrero have successfully grown an agency that is hyper-focused on golf industry talent management and brand marketing. Jess brings her deep-rooted experience in the realms of entertainment, lifestyle, sports, marketing to create their secret sauce and unique value proposition. So with that introduction, Jess, hey, thanks so much for joining us today and welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you and I connected, I think on LinkedIn about six months, eight months ago, a little back and forth. I saw some of the stuff that you were doing is like, why do I not know this human being? Though everything that I've done the last five years in the golf innovation space, how did you slip through the cracks? So I reached out as like, uh, hello, you've got to be on our podcast because you're kind of awesome and you're doing some amazing stuff. So before we get into what you're doing with Digital Golf Collective, so we're going to be talking about the journey of that and your entrepreneurial background and your why and your purpose, both you and Sean. But I always like to start with the icebreaker here and that has to do with golf. So I'm curious to know your connection to golf. Do you play at all? How old were you? Let's start with this. Tell us about the first time you ever picked up a golf club in your life. Who introduced you and what that experience was like? Oh, man. Well, I grew up on a golf course, so uh-huh. that was mine and my dad's thing. They wanted me to play golf when I was little, very much disliked it, but going out with my dad, driving the golf cart at five years old, getting to swing some clubs here and there, I found a point of connection with him. and that's my first experience, essentially. Nice, nice. I remember with my daughter at a golf course when we go on vacation too, that was the fun thing she liked to do was drive around to the golf cart, allowing her to drive it until, of course, the people at the course saw what I was doing there and we get in trouble. Kind of badass that she's six years old and driving around to the golf cart when people are telling her not to. So that was your first experience. So do you play at all? Being in the golf industry, you have time to play? Do you enjoy playing? Tell us about that. That's a great question. Um, Yes, I started this agency based on the fact that I'm completely obsessed with the sport. I have been playing since I was about 18 now, constantly. Fell in love with it. It was a point of connection for business, community, all of that. And doing what I was doing in the entertainment space, I wondered, was this something that I could replicate in the golf space? No one was doing anything like this and still are not. Yeah, I'm very obsessed with the sport. (laughs) So that's how the agency started. But one thing that I have noticed is 
the more that you work in golf, the less you actually play. Been in all the tournaments, all the things, but uh, playing is hard to come by these days, which is kind of a bummer. So I'm hoping to change that. Well, I was warned of that about six, seven years ago when we first got into the golf industry space. My background is in sport architecture, so not involved in the golf industry at all. And I was warned by a guy, he said it, of course, with a smirk, who was a PGA professional. And he said, now that you're in the golf industry, you will completely give up your golf game. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm going to play all these amazing courses, going to get invited for free, going to play all this extra golf with all these rounds. He's like, no, you ain't. So, <laughs> although during COVID, I was very intentional of playing a lot more golf. So I, yeah. I certainly have stepped up to make a point, but you do need to work at it. That is for sure. So, okay. So you have a passion for golf, but that doesn't necessarily mean that aligns with what you're actually going to do for your professional work or even an entrepreneurial endeavor. So let's launch right into it with Digital Golf Collective. So tell us about the backstory of the why, what gave you and Sean the courage, where you saw the gaps, the opportunities, perhaps your previous experience leading up to the formation of Digital Golf Collective. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel very lucky that I had the time and space to be able to create Digital Golf Collective coming off of my other company, which was eventually dissolved. However, I realized where my passion had lied and and knew that I couldn't focus on the other stuff I was doing because all I cared about was inventing and creating a space. It was an open margin, an opportunity in the industry three to five years ago where social media wasn't accepted in the golf space. It wasn't realistic. Influencers were not a thing. You're starting to see this generational cultural shift start to happen, but it was almost like taboo and it wasn't allowed, right? Mm. And so... For me, that was just more fuel to my fire when someone tells me no or (laughs) uh, get out of here kind of thing. (laughs) And of course, you know, it is breaking into a very unique niche, not only industry, but tight-knit community, which I've grown to love so much and have created the most incredible relationships over the years. But it it wasn't easy (laughs) coming in like a bulldozer, passionate about getting players and media and influential young people that were out there in the space making waves that you know they could be doing more as a business online. And that's kind of where that came from, from a marketing vehicle standpoint and growing the game, as we all want to say, and reaching the masses, right? Community is not just offline anymore. It's very much online. And with that, my business partner, Sean Guerrero, he's been in the industry for, man, over 15 years behind the scenes, consulting for major OEMs and brands and partners in the digital space. So him and I have that affinity and affiliation with social media, with him also owning one of the largest meme and entertainment platforms out there at Golf Balls. Give him a follow. With that, we're like, wow, like there's something missing with his knowledge of the industry and the brands and the space and the people and understanding what can and can't go on, but also the inner workings of social media. With my knowledge, it's it's very much yin and yang. I I love that. And and for our listeners out there that are considering entrepreneurship, you've got some ideas, but you have some gaps And you can go alone, you can be a founder on your own, but having a co-founder, having someone that compliments you, yes, you cross over with some of the skills and the experience that you have, but for the most part, filling each other's gaps. Yeah, it's really important. As an entrepreneur, you need to know what you're good at and what you're not good at and how to delegate where to hire and why. And I think that that's also the hardest thing to overcome as an entrepreneur because you have to be able to do everything. But as my mother has always told me, you can do anything, but you cannot do everything. So as long as you recognize your strengths and weaknesses and align yourself with those people that fill those gaps for you, you're going to succeed. Love it. Love it. Let's still go back to the formation of Digital Golf Collective. 
you and Sean just knew each other professionally or were you friends or all the above and so over around a golf or dinner and drinks or you're just, and said, let's do this. So let's talk about that as far as that aha moment. I know I've had that with our business, Reviver Sport Entertainment, where we came up with a product first before we actually came up with a company. So tell us about that, where you sat down and looked at this as like, okay, is this just a really good idea or is there actually a business model behind this too that is viable? Well, the aha moment came for me because I had already formed the company, but was running my business through my other agency. Oh, okay. All right. It was kind of one of those things where I knew I could do this, quite frankly, to be fully transparent. As a woman in the space, it was very hard a few years ago to get someone to listen to me coming in, trying to build something. Yes. And I knew that they weren't going to listen to me. They were going to listen to a guy. So A, <laughs> B, someone that's charming and charismatic, but also severely intelligent. It took a while. I interviewed people to see who the right partner would be. Would it have been ultimately badass to have a female partner? Absolutely. Right. But we're still a female owned company and him and I, we think the same. We have the same sense of humor, but again, apply our knowledge differently to what we built. But we have been friends through industry people and through some of my original clients. I originally met him at the ESPN Celebrity Golf Tournament in LA in 2018. And we had stayed in touch via social media mm -hmm. since then, since he was with some mutual friends. And I kind of just kept my eye out on people. He comes from a great family. He's very close to his family. He's, I love his wife. And so there's so many components that fell into the right partner for me as far as morals, values, and ambition and hunger to positively disrupt the current situation at the time. I bought him dinner and drinks one night. I was like, I have a really weird question to ask you, kind of proposing to you <laughs> <laughs> after seven hours of rosé and food. We hashed it out and talked about the things that we want to see change in the golf industry, the opportunities. And Hearing his passion and his drive really align with what I was already building. It married everything so nicely. And I just said, will you marry me? <laughs> and his wife was okay with that. There we go. Work husband. Yeah, his wife's part of the We're all one big happy family. So, and she's amazing. Love it. Love it. So out of the gate, said so with your aha moment there is you're starting to define your purpose, your why, what you want to do, and also what you do not want to do, just as far as being positively disruptive, as you just said there. And I see you have the tagline that you're at the forefront of influence with your four pillars. So why don't you talk about that a little bit, not just overarching and strategic, but perhaps give us an example. Tell us a story of something you're really proud of that you have as a client and an activation or a campaign that you've done. So give us an example here to share. I have a whole book. I'm sure um, you do. When we say positively disrupt, we want to be disruptors. We want to show that there are alternative ways of doing things when it comes to being creative and marketing to today's consumer fan, as well as the industry, right? B2B and B2C. And with both of us being experts in our space, respectively, we knew that our brains coming together could ultimately do that, especially coming into a space that is, is truly based on tradition. We want to respect that. Right. So we use positively disrupt in the sense of we're both like severe, crazy golf fans. We love what is there and what it's based on and all these things. But with where technology is going and society and all of that, it's kind of an adapt or die situation as mm -hmm. we are currently seeing in the industry today. And we felt like we can disrupt while loving and respecting the industry and sport we love so much. 
So with that, we meshed our two worlds together, social media management and marketing and media in general, and then also talent management, which is my background, as well as brand marketing and PR. So it's kind of like, okay, if we had to stick and streamline our services, like what are the things that we can be the absolute best at? And that's what we're going to stick to. Can we do a multitude of things in the digital space? Absolutely. But let's focus on what we're really good at because that's how we're going to thrive and that's how our clients are going to thrive, right? And giving them the best shot. With that, we came together, him already having clients in the brand side, and then me already having clients both in the talent and brand side. We didn't launch something looking for clients. And I think that overwhelmed us when we did launch because we had all these people reaching out wanting to help and wanting to work. I was like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, we already have clients. <laughs> we're not announcing this to the world because we need clients. We, we have clients. We're so we want to make sure that they're good, right? And I think what ultimately I'm really proud of myself for my company, along with Sean, is we created the influencer economy in golf. It did not exist in the space. There were attempts, and I don't want to say that there wasn't influence, right? Because that word can get thrown around a lot. And the word influencer, mm -hmm. you know, people either love it or hate it. But if you're a prominent personality with a platform or a pro athlete or on TV, like you are an influencer in some way, you influence your industry, your viewers, your fans, whatever that may be. So it bothers me that there's this dislike for the word, right? Yes. Because you are influential. And I think that's something to be proud of and, and leverage. And so to be able to create the influencer economy in a space that didn't exist, but outside of golf, it was thriving for years. Yes, yes. <laughs> Social media, vloggers, influencers, celebrities. And that's kind of the time too where celebrities and athletes were trying to figure out how to monetize their social platforms. Like, what do I do with all these social platforms? How do I be on and do my job? Which as we see, there's kind of that argument with athletes and golfers specifically today. It's like, focus on golf. Don't focus on being an influencer or this and that. Well, today you actually need to be both. Like you have to be able to do both to really thrive. And yes, you could be the best golfer in the world. And is that enough? Probably. <laughs> okay, Tiger Woods. Yeah, we get it. But he also owns a pip. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. social media. Yeah, going back to that's what I'm really proud of. We created a space that didn't exist. We made it thrive and we dominate in the space still. We own the entire market. Are there other agencies working with influencers in different ways? Absolutely. In representation? Absolutely. Because it became trendy after we made it successful and, and show that it's possible because these people are directly affecting and moving the needle with fans and consumers. They're following and engaging with them in real time every day around brands, uh, events, tournaments, you name it. And so they're very valuable for this industry. And I still have to fight that today, which is crazy to me. And I think that's what I'm proud of too, is like, I will not give up the fight to prove that this is high value for an industry that doesn't want to accept it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I've noticed that in the golf industry, that there is this tension where they are such laggards, whether it's innovation or technology, or even lifestyle that you've seen in communications, that it's frustrating, because you're the one that has to then with the limited resources that you have to pull them along. But also it's this massive opportunity, because there is just this massive void. And I know right. some, some of the things that we've done, like 2014, 2015, 
2015 were way too early. It's like going from zero to like, what the what? Whereas now those opportunities aren't lost. In fact, the things that we've done then, even though we put them on hold for a little bit, now the time, especially coming out of COVID with people just craving to gather and get together again, the timing is right for these things. So yes, I, I found it very interesting in the golf industry of not being involved in it at all. That ignorance being part of my superpower, but also being a bit of an Achilles heel at the time because it's not knowing how, oh, how things work. Absolutely. And same here. You know, this was what, five years ago I was doing this and people laughed at me or like, wouldn't be my friend or, you know, disliked me or whatever. And I could care less about that. I'm here to do a job, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's just so interesting how the tables have turned and mm. I find it entertaining and funny. And now some of those people have become really good friends of mine, but some people still have it out for me. That's fine. That again, fuels me to do more. When we launched this, like I mentioned, there was certainly, and we see it more now today, this generational cultural shift happening in the industry. So really tapping into that, this next gen of guys and girls that are incredible marketing vehicles and voices for the industry and the sport that know how to use social media and have the right teams to support innovative brands coming in. And when we launch this as well, with my background being more commercial and global, being able to sell and convince, now it's not that hard, but it was bridging that gap between golf and outside of golf and why brands that aren't in golf should invest in golf. So that was really fun for me too. And now we see that as kind of a natural progression of all of this crossover happening. Right, right. Interesting. We're now going to take a short break to hear about what's new with Zencaster. Did you know that podcast advertising is way more effective than social media and traditional advertising? With 67% of listeners remembering brands and 63% making a purchase after hearing them. I've been using Zencaster since day one of the Mod Golf podcast. And I'm excited to tell you about Zencaster's Creator Network, which makes it easy for brands to connect with podcasters and their audience. Looking to get your product in the hands of people who will love it? Promoting on podcasts is the fastest growing advertising style in the world, being 4.4 times more effective than display ads. With Zencaster's new podcast marketplace, your company can negotiate directly with creators, collaborating with them to get the best bang for your advertising buck. Zencaster's Creator Network is the perfect place for you to get into podcast ads and sponsor your favorite shows. Like me, Zencaster matches you with the best podcasts, so your product gets to the right audience to maximize your advertising campaign budget. Interested in sponsoring the Mod Golf Podcast or learning how podcast show advertising could benefit your business? Go to zen.ai forward slash modgolf and fill out the contact information so that the Zencaster team can bring your business story to life. That's zen.ai forward slash modgolf to give your product the opportunity to reach a new audience through the podcast they love. You're embracing whether you know it or not, because we talk about this a lot on the podcast with the business methodology called Blue Ocean Strategy, this notion of harnessing or attracting, refusing customers or viewers or fans or brands or ones that are lapsed or ones that just don't like what you're doing for whatever reason, whatever tradition there is. And how do you bring those in with new services, experiences, products, and how do you do that? And there's so many examples. Cirque du Soleil is, is their classic example of as compared to the traditional circus. So you talk about right. positively disruptive. They're not trying to replace that. They are then going to attract a completely different demographic, a little bit older, more sophisticated, more affluent as compared to parents with kids buying popcorn and candy bars and just going okay. for the traditional circus. So I find this very interesting. What you're pulling in here, you're using those outside influences that 
you're deeply attuned to through your experience professionally and personally. Well, one thing, it's like, if you know, you know, if you get it, you get it. Where golf is a through line with everybody and every community and every brand and every executive team. If you think about it, everything comes back to golf. You think of like a C-suite at a power agency. They might not work in golf, but they all golf. They have a golf tournament or a foundational tournament. Then you think about celebrities and athletes that have their foundations in golf tournaments. Like it all comes back to golf. Everyone loves to golf. So now there's a big spotlight on that when it comes to brands and activations, experiences, partnerships, and media coverage. I mean, look what Steph Curry's doing for the game, which is so incredible to see that finally off the ground. It's always been there. And now there's kind of this global aha moment, and thanks to COVID, of everybody wanting to pick up a club. And if they haven't, they're definitely thinking about it. Yeah, definitely. Hey, can you give us an example of, well, tell us about one of your clients, maybe a, a recent campaign that you're very proud of and one using a non-golf brand that had never dipped their toe or even considered the value mm-hmm. in the golf space. So even then, what do you say to the brand? What is your pitch and your value prop to connect them to the talent that you have in the campaign that oh, you create? I have a great recent example that crosses over into a couple different things, but As far as my pitch and value prop, it's the golf fan and golf consumer is one of the most unique fans and consumers in the world. Above all, sport and any other industry, even above tennis, it's so unique. And the fan is so obsessed (laughs) with the sport and having the latest and greatest and being engaged and knowing these facts and wearing the gear. You see someone wearing a golf shirt or golf hat in the airport, you're like, friend. It's like people that go to certain colleges and they see someone else are automatically friends. So it's very unique and they spend more per purchase Mm -hmm. all year long, which is very different. So you want to see my sales and pitch deck. I got three pages for you of data (laughs) that shows not only the increase in media visibility, participation, but consumer sales. And as we know, this is a billion dollar market, not a million dollar market, which Mm -hmm. is another easy. Why wouldn't you get involved? One thing that was really interesting recently, as I just mentioned, a lot of other sports are starting to cross over. Again, it's been going on for a long time, but it's a lot more publicized. And we recently worked with the WNBA, which was really cool because I haven't really seen them do anything in golf. I know like Alana Diladon has her like golf tournament. She loves to golf. Women celebrating women brought out one of our clients who is an athlete and top name in the golf industry, Tisha Allen, as we all know to celebrate Pride Night a few weeks ago with the Connecticut Sun. It was the coolest thing ever, coolest experience for them to celebrate an athlete that wasn't a basketball player and share her story and let her co-host the entire night on TV, on social. Like it was wild. So you see these fans getting so excited and then her fans are getting so excited. So you're seeing this really heavy crossover engagement, especially like we did an interview with ESPN. She doesn't cover golf, but she covers basketball. Now she's talking about golf to her basketball viewers. So it was really interesting. And that's like a massive brand crossover. And it was a live experience, but people are still talking about it. We're still getting messages about it. It was just a really beautiful, cool opportunity to see that and and fueled us to be like, okay, what else can we do around that? Right, right. Yeah, the brand crossover is so powerful when you manage to connect that because that, once again, these concentric circles of customers, fans, viewers, 
that are once again refusing golf or just ignore golf for whatever reason to get that first introduction to connect through that crossover and you talked about Steph Curry earlier and what he's doing and others that also is the multi-billion dollar opportunity especially with women and I know that well myself oh, and what yeah. we do on the on the podcast here supporting women and the initiatives whether it's Women's Golf Day and really being as intentional as I can by having so many women on to tell their story it is that multi multi-billion dollar opportunity there with women that now are coming to the game. So are you finding that also with the female athletes that you're bringing on board to position the campaign so that it appeals to everyone, not just to be blunt about it, that you get a lot of social media golf influencers and their fan base is guys. And why is that? Because they're super hot. And they're, they're great, but they're also, they're, so there's that component. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about that is how you manage to balance these things. There's no wrong answers here, but how do you balance that to really appeal to women of all ages and, and all backgrounds? You're seeing the needle move. We study data insights all day. We data mine for this entire industry, sports, mm. women's sports, all that. Our clients in particular and watch how those things tick, right? And you're starting to see that percentage go up on the women's side where it used to be like 90% male, 10% female or less. And now it's like 30% female. It's really, really growing as more women get in the space and are engaging online. You're seeing a lot more women coming forward and starting clothing lines or brands or whatever it may be to engage that female community online and bring them offline, right? Like Abby Liebenthal's For the Ladies is a great example. You're seeing a lot more of that starting to be developed from a community basis through different apps and all these different things. But as far as what we do to combat that (laughs) situation, we know that these women, the fan base is everybody. It's kids, it's men, it's women, it's older people. Do we want to stay away from being stale and crusty? Absolutely. And women want to be able to speak to women at the end of the day. And I think that they should not care to create their content or speak to their followers to only adhere to the maybe 80 or 90% of men that are following them, Mm -hmm. right? And I think it's really important that they stick to that. Marketing for a tour player is very different than marketing with an influencer, right? right? Is there crossover? Absolutely. But the whole formula is very different and something that really pushed me to even start Digital Golf Collective way back when was that fight of bridging that financial gap for women in the space. Not just the athlete, but these women that are leading faces on media that you see every day or Mm -hmm. that are creating engaging content. But I, I do think that LPGA and female development players still don't get what they deserve. It's incredible to see how much the purses have increased over the last few years, specifically last year into this year. It's amazing, but it's still not enough. It's not enough. I pride myself and so does Sean in working behind the scenes with partners within organizations or big brands and talking about like what kind of change can be made here. I have constant conversations with tour players doing surveys and like what works, what doesn't based on event, right? Because some events, they'll be treated like queens and royalty and the purse is $9 million, whatever. Then they go to another event, they're schlepping in a bus and you you have world number one player trying to figure out how to get to a hotel. It's just crazy to me. As I mentioned before this, you know, I get a little heated talking about these things because it's so absurd to me how big the gap is. And with this whole disruption with Liv coming in and the hundreds of millions of dollars that are being thrown at these guys. Yeah, it's cool to see this disruption happening to shake up the PGA Tour. I'm not saying for them to go and pay women, but it's like, let's focus back on the core situation here. 
how you help advance the women here and help the LPGA succeed and all the amazing development tours that are being created right now to ensure that these girls are playing to compete to qualify for the LPGA. Yeah, you got that out. <laughs> Gosh, I mean, I feel like I have this conversation daily and trying to move mountains and trying to do the best I can while running a company. Yeah. It's still there and we're, we are working a lot within our company to make some changes over the next couple of months that will really allow me to put my focus back into my passion and that was really fighting for the women in this industry. Oh, I love what you're doing and I'm very curious to see where you go in the future. I know at the time of releasing this podcast episode, you can't quite tell us what's going on, but I know from what you hinted or teased when you and I were talking before we started recording that there's some big plans for the next iteration, oh, yes. if you will, the, the next stage <laughs> of Digital Golf Collective. So is there anything you can tell us at all just to kind of give us a little something? I know you're not in the position to do the big reveal right now, but can you get even hint at where things are? going we've grown exponentially COVID obviously pinned us in a corner with everyone needing support in the digital space and migrating millions of dollars from offline to online and the clients we've been so lucky to work with we're very particular about the talent clients we onboard otherwise we'd be representing everyone in the space right yeah with that said there's so much more fresh talent I'm working a lot more with a lot of female players right now and supporting other agents actually on some of that and tag teaming. Like I said, we've been working really hard to make sure we can create more space to do more of that, make more of an impact and grow our agency. So we are going to be making an announcement between July and August. I can't give you an exact date yet. Yeah, yeah. That will surely shake up the industry. It will probably confuse people, excite people, and piss off some people, which I'm excited for all three. But it. it'll be a monumental move with us, again, being the leaders in this space. We plan to stay that way. Love it. I'll Love say it. that. Well, hey, you can't be friends with everybody, right? You can't, you can't please everybody all the I time. I want to be, but you know, some people don't want to be friends well, with everybody, and that's okay. I was always told by like my famous friends and, and clients, like if you don't have haters, you're doing something wrong, right? That's so right. Now I preach that to my clients. I'm like, oh no, no, it's a good thing. You know? That's right. It's a it's a proof so, point. It's like you don't have enough people hating you. Let people dislike you. Let people be jealous. But you hope at the end of the day, whatever you're doing is making a positive impact, whether it be on them or, or everybody else. And you kind of just gotta put the blinders on and keep going. And it hurts sometimes, and it's sad. And and I see my again my clients go through it quite a bit and when it happens to me it's it's a real bummer but i stopped giving a shit a very long time ago there you go there you go well when you're doing the type of things you are i'm in a slightly different space even though you and i have some crossover but really our overarching purpose and mission is to move things forward and innovate and make this sport this awesome game more accessible for everybody and more welcoming for everybody and, and be able to monetize that as you do that because there is incredible value. And as we go, whether they're haters or people that just, I call them more resistors, that in this yeah. industry, in some cases, they're gatekeepers that you're then challenging the status quo. And I've had that in other industries, whether it's actually technology and software. I remember very early on, this is gosh, a complete lifetime ago in the architectural space with 3D animation modeling software that I used and was very good at using and then teaching people and then so much that I was then selling it. And I would go in naively to these architectural offices and some people would absolutely love it and didn't realize there was always this person that is already running the other thing. And I'm this massive threat to them. Whereas I'd go in and right. go, this is amazing. Everyone's going to love it. And you're going to have these people that are going to go out of their way to even sabotage you because oh, you're, you're, a, you're a threat to what they're doing. I look at that as a validator well, now. That's a good well, thing that you got those people. <laughs> I'll clear that up. 
we're a threat to something that they're now doing because we did it first. And Mm -hmm. oh yeah, there are particular people that try to take DGC down on a regular basis. And that's why I can't wait to make this announcement because boy, is it going to stick it to them. Uh, (laughs) Again, our goal is to positively disrupt, positively impact the space and leave it better than we found it. And to your point, making the sport and the industry more approachable, accessible, safe, and less intimidating for all people of all kinds. And I pride ourselves on marketing golf as aspirational, but attainable, right? Mm-hmm. So I love that. That's a great way to put it. Good way to put it. Yeah. So I can keep going on and on and on here. There's so <laughs> many more questions I want to ask you, but we do want to encourage our listeners to also become viewers. You and I are going to jump over for a video conversation where I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to talk more about personally with your entrepreneurial journey, lessons learned, see if we can dig out some nuggets of wisdom, cautionary tales, and perhaps some tips for our listeners out there that are considering entrepreneurship or already starting something. So we'll focus on that. So hey, as we finish up here, why don't you let our listeners know where they can find out more about you, reach out and connect and learn and connect with Digital Golf Collective. Absolutely. We are at Digital Golf Collective on every platform. You want to follow me, it's at Jess with three S's. McAllister and Sean is at Golf Bald, which I'm sure everyone already follows him. Uh-huh. <laughs> We're very active, obviously, on social media and can always check us out there, reach out, ask any questions. Happy to answer. Love that. Love that. And as I always do in the show notes, I will include all the links for everybody to make it nice and easy to find you and learn all those good things that you talked about and connect with you. So why don't we leave it at that? So Jess McAllister, the co-founder of Digital Golf Collective. I'm so glad that we finally had a chance to have this conversation. We had a couple of misstarts. We're going to have it last week. (laughs) And with me getting COVID and my brain being a little foggy, I rebooked four of them be transparent with all of our listeners here yeah so i had, i was ready to go with jess i already did all the prep work it was like five minutes before and i send you the information with the link for the recording session and you're like uh we're next week and i'm like oh and i got an email from the other guy it's like uh where are we i'm already on but you know in entrepreneurial spirit i just quickly pivoted and just made it Pivot, happen. great word there we go so made that happen so i'm glad we had a chance to have this conversation today jess and i have a feeling we're gonna have many conversations in the future especially once we hear about this launch oh, yes. now that i'm just Jones in to find out about, but I'm going to have to be patient and, and uh, like everybody else, we're going to have to wait. So, hey, why don't we wrap it up there? Thank you again for joining us today on the Mod Golf Podcast. And yeah, look forward to continuing the conversation over on YouTube. Thank you so much for having me. So, that's a wrap for this episode of the Mod Golf Podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation about entrepreneurship in the golf industry, you can find more compelling episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen in. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on our homepage to hear about upcoming episodes and to enter our latest golf product giveaway. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks very much for joining me. Bye for now.